Lewis Braille, Chapter 10. One by one, the last years pass. This is recorded with permission from Scholastic. So the worst of the fight was over, and just in time. Lewis had lived for so many years with tuberculosis, sometimes very sick, sometimes almost well. Now he felt very weak once more. I'll feel better soon, Lewis told himself. He always had before, but this time was different. In 1844, Lewis's days as a classroom teacher came to an end. He was only 35 years old, but from now on, he had to spend most of his time in bed. He had to leave the fight for his alphabet to other, stronger men. But Lewis still followed news of it, and for the first time, some of the news was good. More and more letters were being written to the Institute asking for information about the raised dot alphabet. People were beginning to call it Braille. Lewis liked that. A few teachers were beginning to try the alphabet out in other schools for the blind. In 1847, the first Braille printing press was made. Now, raised dot books could be made by machine instead of the old, slow way by hand. So one by one, the last years passed. Lewis had to live quietly now. When he felt well enough, he gave a few piano lessons to the boys. Other times, he worked in bed, punching patterns of dots, making one book after another for the school library. And he continued to work and dream of new and better ways to use the alphabet. Lewis's room was often crowded with friends who had come to see him. It rang with laughter and good talk. Lewis Braille might be weak and bedridden, but he was still one of the most popular men at school. He would have sacrificed everything for any one of us, a friend later wrote. His time, his health, everything he owned. Lewis never talked about all the giving he did. He never wanted to be thanked, another friend said later. But on the back of his desk was a small black box. Inside it was stuffed to the brim with slips of paper. They were IOUs, promises people had made to pay back money to Lewis Braille. In Lewis's will, he wrote, Destroy the box when I die. One damp, cold day in December 1851, Lewis caught a cold. It was just a cold but he was so weak he could not get over it. His fever climbed higher and higher. His old cough grew worse and worse. All Lewis's friends came to see him. They tried to tell him he was getting better, but Lewis only shook his head. He knew. He'd been close to death so many times. You don't have to pretend with me, he said softly now. Lewis was not afraid of death. A priest came to pray with him and prepare him for it. Lewis said after the priest's visit, I tasted the greatest of joys. But Lewis Braille loved life too. He also said, I asked God to take me from the world. It is true, but I felt I wasn't asking very hard. But Lewis's life was almost over all the same. On January 6, 1852, it rained all day. The wind howled around the building. Hour after hour, the storm grew worse. Thunder and lightning filled the air. It sounded like giants battling outside. 
Lewis turned his face to the window and smiled. He had always liked a good fight. Then he closed his eyes for the last time. Lewis Braille was dead. His many friends missed him and were very sad. But he was not a well-known man. Not one newspaper in all of Paris printed the news of his death. Yet today his name is known all around the world. He was a simple school teacher. He never made much money. Yet today, blind people everywhere bless him for giving them one of the greatest gifts of all time, the alphabet called Braille. Finally, Lewis's alphabet began to catch on, slowly at first, then faster and faster. No blind or boy or girl who learned Braille ever forgot the feel of those dots. They helped spread the word. More and more books were coming from the Braille printing presses. The Braille alphabet was being translated into many different languages, even Chinese. Six years after Louis Braille died, the first school for the blind in America began to use his alphabet. In another 30 years, almost every school for the blind in Europe had changed to it. In 1887, the people of Coupvre, where Louis was born, built a monument to him in the middle of the village square. On one side of the tall marble column was the alphabet of dots and the words, To Braille from the Grateful Blind. On the other side was a raised picture of Louis teaching a blind child to read with his hands. The statue is still there today in the middle of the same village square where blind Louis played as a boy. Today, everyone proudly calls the square One Place Braille. Lewis's name became known around the world. Schools were named after him and magazines too. He was mentioned in encyclopedias. His face was put on a special issue of stamps. Statues and monuments were raised to him in many countries. But the best monuments of all were the special libraries full of books, braille books for the blind. When Lewis died in 1852, not one newspaper in all of Paris wrote of his death. In 1952, a hundred years later, newspapers everywhere had stories about him. Lewis's body had been buried in the little country cemetery of Coupvre. Now his coffin was taken from there and carried to Paris. From now on, it would rest in a building called the Pantheon, the burial place of France's most honored men. Over the main door of the building were the words, To its greatest men the country gives honor. Now France and the world were honoring Louis Braille. First, there was a solemn march. A band played a slow tune. All across the city of Paris, church bells rang out as Lewis's coffin was carried through the streets. Behind it walked many of the world's most famous people. The president of, of France was there. Helen Keller was there too. But behind these important people came the ones who had always mattered most to Lewis, row after row of unknown blind tapping their white-tipped canes. They were there to say thank you once more to Louis Braille, who had filled so much of the emptiness in their lives with books.
And that is the end of our story, Lewis Braille, The Boy Who Invented Books for the Blind.